0: The volume.
1: With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears.
0: Hi, let's talk about Pro Plan Sport. Pro Plan Sport is advanced nutrition made to fuel strength and stamina in active dogs like yours. So wherever your next journey together takes you, start it off right with the high-performance fuel your dog needs to keep pushing you every step of the way. Pro Plan Sport. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. You know our trusted partner TireRack.com for their fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, convenient installation options, and their great selection of best tires, like the highly consumer-rated Yokohama Avid Ascend LX. But did you know they sell other automotive products—wheels, brakes, suspension, just to name a few. Go to TireRack.com/slash Colin. TireRack.com—the way tire buying should be. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything.
1: The J-Boy Show is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to bet all the action than on FanDuel Sportsbook during the football season. Uh, there's one. Uh, there's many reasons why I like using it. I mean, betting on the NFL, they're America's number one sportsbook. It's easy to use, it's safe and secure, but I love the fast payouts. I'm huge on that, and you get it as quick as two hours. That's tough to find and even harder to beat. Uh, and, you know, The convenience of it. You know, that there's a lot going on. There's a lot of games, whether it's live betting, whether it's betting before the games, you know, the spread or you're taking the overs, the unders, they make it unbelievably easy to use. And the boosts, the odds, the specials that they run uh, are unbelievable. You get risk-free bets and same game parlays, you get enhanced odd markets and a ton more. It's just a win-win for everybody. And if you're new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now and sign up with the promo code JBOY. That's J B O Y. Let them know that I sent you. 21 and Older in President, Arizona. Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. Gambling problem, call 1 800 Next Step, or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona. 1 888 789 quadruple seven, or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1 800 gambler, or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Virginia. 1 800 270 7117 for confidential help in Michigan, Tennessee, redline 1 800 889 9789, or visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. All right, everybody. Hope you guys had an unbelievable New Year's. Uh, Had a great time uh, wherever you went. If you stayed home watching some great college football or went out and watched some great college football uh, like we did. It's me and Cone uh, today, again, from a remote location. uh, Got some great stuff for you. And uh, Cone, I want to jump right in, man, because there's a lot to talk about. I want to start with Cincinnati and Bama. And, you know, I really kind of want one big thing that you thought was a huge difference in the game. Uh, For me, it's been something we talk about all the time, uh, that we talked about a ton going into this game. And it's up front. Alabama was head and shoulders above Cincinnati up front on both sides of the ball. Uh, You look offensively, they were able to run. I was surprised Bill O'Brien didn't run it more, especially in the first half. Really, it will. Brian Robinson, uh, whether it was zone, whether it was gap scheme, it didn't matter. Uh, Breaking tackles, getting into the secondary. I thought Cincinnati fought really hard. But you saw as the game kept going along, Bama was able to get consistent push. And if you look, they really ran vanilla ice cream on offense. I mean, the first drive was – Fall camp, day one, install stuff. I mean, it was isn't a lot of complex stuff. You could tell uh, that they had watched the film and felt that they were better up front. And it's always a risk to to not show a lot. But I think the risk paid off. Bama really didn't show a lot. If you go back and watch the game, uh, you know, Jamison went down for a little bit. But up front on the offensive side of the ball, being able to control the line of scrimmage, didn't get into a ton of third and longs. And I don't think Bryce Young Played his best game at all. I, I think he had one of his worst games. I don't think from a pass protection side uh, standpoint, they were fantastic, but they were good enough on the ground to negate a lot of it. They ate a ton of clock. They almost beat Cincinnati the way that Georgia has been beating people. If you look on the defensive side of the ball, Cincinnati was never able to get into a rhythm. The first drive, they went straight down the field, stayed on script. Uh, Mike Denbrock had a great st- uh, script getting out. But once they got inside the 10, they didn't try and run the ball one time. After I saw them do that, I kind of came to the fruition of, I don't think they think they can consistently run the ball when they have to. The third and ones, the second or the fourth and ones, the third and threes when you have to keep it on the ground. Uh, I thought Will Anderson, I I thought the defensive line, Mathis played the game of his life in my opinion. And one thing that I thought they did that was so smart, and this just shows you the next level thinking that you get with some of these guys at some of these higher places they knew that Cincinnati knew that they couldn't pass protect for Desmond Ritter for long, which means outside of, you know, a quick back shoulder, you know, just sitting your foot back and launch in the fade uh, on the vertical. They realized Cincinnati was going to have to use modified runs in quick game. So what you saw a lot from the interior of Alabama was they take two steps and get their hands up. Alabama batted more balls in this game. Mathis alone batted more balls in this game than I've seen them bat all year. That was a strategic move by Alabama, and it paid off. I remember two or three third downs, Cone, where the guy was open, uh, and, and they batted down the pass, and that gave Bama the ball back, and they'd go eat another six minutes off of the clock. What, what was one of your big takeaways?
2: I was not surprised at how effective Alabama was at running the football. I expected that. I was a little surprised at how disciplined Bill O'Brien was to stick to it at the beginning. Um, I, I agree with you. I thought that he might run the ball a little bit more as the game went on. What I was surprised with is normally when you're that effective in the run game and you have the Heisman Trophy winner in the pocket, usually you don't have that poor of a performance throwing the football. You know, I mean, because the run game opens up so much. For Bryce Young. So I was a little surprised that Bryce didn't have a better game. But look, I mean, Cincinnati did a lot of things well, just not enough to hang with the likes of Alabama. So really what I want to see moving forward from this Alabama team with a national championship still to go is, are they going to continue to sort of play to their competition? Or is it going to be are they going to be able to rise to the occasion again, the way that they did in the SEC championships when they were underdogs, really for that one time, right?
1: Yeah, you know, Cone, I want to ask you this, too. You know, going back and watching the game and you look through the season in Alabama, do you think maybe they just played the game of their life in the SEC Championship game? Do do you think that's that's realistic? I mean, that that was Pete Bama from what I saw.
2: After I saw what Georgia did to Michigan yesterday and with what I had seen with Auburn being able to hold Alabama scoreless for three plus quarters, when I saw uh, LSU and countless other teams be able to get to Bryce Young with simple four-man stunts, not bringing five-man pressures, and then in person in Atlanta to watch the dismantling of the Georgia Bulldogs with what the Crimson Tide did to them, it, they they just played the game of their lives, right? And they did everything right. And that's what a Nick. Saban-led team can do to you, my question is, and it's the same question that everyone up and down this state has, can they do it twice?
1: Yeah, I know, and again, it's hard to beat a good team twice. You've said that a ton, and, you know, a lot of people will say, and I want to make this understood, Alabama dominated this game, that they dominated the game. Really, You look at the stats, we can go up and down the sheet, they didn't score 60 points, but look at the length and the time of possession that they had the ball even on drives where they weren't scoring. And again, it wasn't like they threw the whole book at him. And you'll have people, and and I said this, and I've said this the whole year, Cincinnati is a great story that they're not an elite team. Now, there's not a ton of elite teams out there this year. But when I look at Cincinnati, do I think Ole Miss could beat them? Yeah. Do I think Baylor could beat them? Yeah. Do I, you know, Notre, they went and beat Notre Dame, and, and I understand that. But I look around, I think there's some other teams that could have gotten that four spot, but it was a perfect storm for Cincinnati, and I'm glad we got to see it. I'm glad the whole world got to see it. You saw the difference up front. That's where the game is won and lost. And to say, you know, we can argue did Cincinnati belong, I'm just almost glad we got to see it. And I I told you, uh, a lot of the year I didn't want them in there, but it got to the point where there's so much noise and there's so much on the periphery that sometimes you just got to see it. Now, did Cincinnati blow it for the group of five? No, but it's not like the- this game to me was never in doubt from the start to the finish. It was never, even after Bama missed the field goal to be up 10 to three. So there's rational arguments on both sides of does Cincinnati belong, but make no mistake, and kind I want your input on this, Bama dominated this game.
2: Yeah, especially as you look right now with um, Oklahoma State losing to Notre Dame. I mean, at some point, who were you going to put in the fourth spot? The irony is that the year in which we've seen the most parity across college football, because it's been awesome to see this year. uh, Ironically, we've seen the least amount of parity at the top, because usually we say at least three of those top four spots uh, have a shot to win the national title. And usually that fourth slot never really is able to to contend in that second playoff game. Well, yesterday proved what you and I had been saying this year, Jake, which is, well, really it was only two, okay? Because, I mean, Michigan didn't put up a fight and Cincinnati really didn't put up a fight. Both games, I think it was funny, like both games, almost the, the scoring of Alabama and Georgia on the first drive would have almost were enough points to win the, 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 the total <laughs> ball game, you know, with each of those, except for that late score for Michigan. But, yeah, I mean, who else are you going to put in there? you know, I mean, for for the for the third and four spots, we clearly said all year, it's Alabama and Georgia and everyone else. And then when Georgia got dismantled the way they did in the SEC championship, and Michigan came on strong against Ohio and in the Big Ten championship, we said, well, maybe let's see, maybe they can keep it interesting. Maybe Cincinnati really is the real deal and can at least fight in there and maybe at least cover a 13 and a half point spread. Neither proved to be the case.
1: Yeah, no, no, I agree with you 100%. And you know, again, we're going to continue to watch Cincinnati. They're losing a ton going into the Big 12. You're losing Ritter. You're losing Sauce. I know they're returning some guys. I'm very interested to see how they do in the Big 12 year one uh, being in the Power Five. And, and I can't wait to see it. I think it's good for college football and really all of those teams, you know, that are going UCF and Houston, these teams that are going into the Big 12. But, kind I want to move to Michigan and Georgia. And it's funny, you know, and, and Blaine said, I got to give Blaine credit. You know, he was like, I think Michigan – our Georgia may beat Michigan worse than Bama beat Cincinnati. Uh, and when you yeah, look at this game, up. when you look at this game to me, and I said, you know, I think the team that wins is going to be the one with the least pass attempts. Michigan played right into what Georgia does. Uh, they made mistakes. But, uh, you know, we talked about this a ton, almost a, a nauseating amount. Michigan didn't have the cats outside and, and the, the type of offensive athlete that could hit Georgia from long range. You know, they hit a few deep balls. Cade put a few good balls out there. The game was already, you know, pretty much over by then. But, you know, Bama with Jamison Williams and what they're able to do with the big plays on the outside, they hit Georgia from far out. They didn't – it wasn't 11, 12, 13 play drives eating a ton of clock. Totally different type of game than what we saw with Alabama and Cincinnati. And I know you being a former Michigan player, obviously it's a little bit disappointing. But I do want to say this. This takes away nothing from the season that Michigan had. They did a ton to me. Michigan played their way back to relevance. And I know, again, moral victories for losers, and I understand that. But they're still able to put a ring on their finger. They're Big Ten champs. You beat Ohio State, trying to change the narrative there. Obviously, you're going to get more stability now with Harbaugh. A lot of the questions are going to be done. But this game, to me, Georgia came out pissed off. And in the pregame speech that I gave to Georgia, you know, at the end of the day, it's being big, fast, physical, and pissed. That That's what it is. And Georgia played like the Georgia team we thought we were going to see in the SEC championship and I'm telling you right now Cone and it, you know hindsight's always 2020 and and that's great but losing to bama the way they did may have been the best thing that could have happened to georgia because they dominated from the start To the finish, thought Stetson played really well. I thought Munkin did a great job, especially early in the game, mixing in some things. And they got to a point where Michigan didn't have the firepower to come back. And at that point, Georgia was like, that's fine. Just keep throwing it to us on defense.
2: Yeah, no, you're right. And, I mean, David Pollock said that early in the season, right? He said, don't be surprised if Georgia loses to Alabama in the SEC championship and comes back and beats them in the national title. Well, that stage is now set, so we'll see. And, ironically enough, all I had to console me after a loss to the Bulldogs was my Bulldog, Penny Lane. So, at least, <laughs> you know, at least I had that. Um, but, yeah, look, for Michigan, if you're going to go up against better personnel, which Georgia had, then you need more sound execution than your opponent. And they had neither. You know, and they had neither, and Georgia uh, played quite perfectly, uh, to to, to be frank, and did whatever they wanted to do uh, up and down the field. Um, You know, I won't get into the X's and O's so much right now, Jake, because I don't think Michigan did enough schematically to really warrant that at this point, even though you did say some good things. Yes, the the future, you know, the future could be bright for them. I think you saw some flashes with J.J. McCarthy, and he got some more action and all that kind of stuff. Let's see if Jim Harpaw and his staff can build off that. But right now, I just want to focus on the Georgia Bulls dogs because they earned it. Um, two things stuck out to me. One, uh, both both of them by Kirby Smart. One, they played perfect football in the first half. I think they scored on uh, the first four straight possessions, right? And really the only hiccup they had was right there before half, okay, with some clock mismanagement and Kirby Smart reamed Stetson Bennett from midfield all the way to the locker room. Okay, I haven't seen Jim Harbaugh yell at a Michigan player all season, really. The referees, yeah. But, you know, I mean, that, that deserved to happen because it was poor execution. After you've been executing flawlessly, could have at least gotten another field goal, maybe even seven out of that before the half. And then the second thing, you know, uh, at the very end of the game with Kirby Smart waving off the Gatorade bath and saying, we haven't accomplished anything. Don't you dare come over here with that. Wait till the next game wait till the next game and stay focused because this isn't even worth celebrating. That's the kind of head coach that I want to play for. That's the kind of head coach I want to hire if I'm an athletic director. Even when Michigan scored that late touchdown, I saw a couple of their players celebrating. I'm just shaking my head over here, Jake. I'm like, what do you have to celebrate? You are getting and have gotten dominated for 60 minutes. And that team over there that's dominating you, they're not even celebrating. Because they know they have not accomplished what they set out to accomplish. So, you know, I'm sure that we're going to dissect Alabama and Georgia to the T here moving on this week. But uh, it should be a great matchup, even even though we've already seen it once.
1: Yeah, it's, it's one thing to be able to land the ship on the asteroid that's about to hit Earth. It's another thing to land the ship and then blow the asteroid up. Uh, and, and that's something, you know, Michigan wasn't able to get there. Now, were you surprised? Because, you know, we know how good Georgia's defense is. We do. But and you mentioned it a little bit. Two things really stood out to me: the lack of Michigan's ability to protect Cade in the pocket the whole game. Georgia was collapsing the pocket, though they were winning almost every one on one matchup consistently and having to speed Cade up, which throws the timing off to the receivers. And were you surprised at how vanilla Michigan was schematically? I mean, they you look at Georgia. I mean, Georgia took chances offensively. You would have thought that Georgia was the underdog.
2: I know if you had told me that one of the teams is going to have a halfback through a touchdown, I said, well, of course, that's going to be Michigan. You know, that's <laughs> what I said in my victory. They had to stay creative on offense. They didn't do that. And look. Georgia is a difficult team to stay creative against because you can do so little. So yes, I was surprised to see how vanilla the Michigan playbook was. I was not surprised to see how ineffective the Michigan offense was because I've been watching them all season and I've been watching Georgia's defense all season. That really didn't surprise me. I knew this whole season that there are teams who could put up a better offensive fight against Georgia than Michigan could. I think Ole Miss is one. I think Ohio is one. I think even Oklahoma is one. I think all three of those teams could have done a better job offensively. What surprised me the most was Georgia's offense and the way that they were able to play so flawlessly against Michigan's defense uh, Michigan's front four really couldn't get home at all uh, they really couldn't get anything going now I've been saying all season that Michigan secondary has tons of problems obviously those were exacerbated whenever Dax Hill was having some problems I don't know exactly how many snaps he played but you know he missed the full week of practice but that I was a little bit more surprised with that just because I thought at least if they could give Stetson Bennett problems at the same time that their defense is giving Kay McNamara problems, then at least we could see a good ball game down the stretch didn't prove to be the
1: case. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge or how it seems like you always get those hard to snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com
0: slash with Amex. You put it off long enough, it's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to tirerack.com slash Colin to see their BF Goodrich test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. And be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's tirerack.com slash Colin. Tirerack.com, the way tire buying should be. For complete terms. Rev up your thrills this summer at Cedar Point on the all-new Top Thrill 2. Drive the sky on the world's tallest and fastest triple launch vertical speedway. And now, for a limited time, get more Cedar Point fun for less with our limited time bundle for just $49.99. Get admission, parking, and all-day drinks for one low price. But you better hurry, because this bundle won't last long. Save now at cedarpoint.com.
1: This episode is brought to you by DirecTV Stream. Introducing DirecTV Stream, the best of live TV and on demand, which means you can get all your favorite sports, movies, and shows together so you can watch new episodes of your favorite reality shows live or binge old episodes on demand. Either way, get ready for some drama. And the best part, DirecTV Stream has no annual contract. DirecTV Stream, get your TV together at DirectTV.com. Requires high-speed internet and compatible device. Content varies by package and location, restrictions apply. No, and again, those are two things that, you know, the first one, not so much shocking. I was just, I thought Michigan may play a little bit above their water on the offensive line because they, you know, whenever you're going up against a unit like that, you tend to play at a higher level more consistently. That's just the human condition. You know what I'm saying? You're taking on a bigger army. You're probably going to fight better. That, that's just how it works. Uh, but, you know, looking at the SEC now having two teams in the national championship, and we've talked about this on social media. That's so why I laugh at this, you know, SEC bias BS when you look at the one off bowl games where, you know, the SEC team doesn't have their quarterback, running back, half their offensive line. They don't care to be there. The other team, it's their Super Bowl and everybody's playing, basically. Uh, that's why I kind of brushed that off. But, the argument for the expansion of the playoff. To me, I think it lends more credence to it by having Alabama and Georgia in it once again. And I'll go back and say it is a – this isn't a quick fix. Like a lot of people think it's like just turning the light switch on. Oh, all right, we, we fixed it. That's that's not how this works. It's, you have to have a long-term solution to fix – you know, and, and again, there's been more parity this year than ever. And Bama and Georgia are the two best teams. It all goes back to recruiting. That's what this all goes back to. And I have been on a soapbox about this all year. If you expand it to 12, because to me, 12's where you need to cap it. I want it eight. But if you're going to expand it to 12, you cap it there, and it doesn't mess with the regular season. To me, it makes the regular season season even more important. Now, games at the end, think about it in college basketball. Think about the bubble teams that are playing at the end. They may not be playing a team that's going to the NCAA tournament, but that game means a ton. They have to win it. So if you're a team that's on the bubble or on the edge and it's late in the season, maybe before a rivalry game and you're, you know, Kentucky playing, you know, let's just say, for example, South Carolina and maybe South Carolina's out of it, but Kentucky's fighting for spot. that game means a ton it makes it even more important than deciding well are we going to the Birmingham Bowl are we going to try and you know play in a bigger a little bit of a bigger bowl but not a a playoff type national champion type championship type situation and the recruiting part is this these guys are able to go into these kids homes and say listen you have a chance to win a national championship here look we made it to the playoff you don't have to just go to these three or four schools five-star defensive end five-star offensive tackle. So what you'll see is the monopoly, not that Bama and Georgia won't have great recruiting classes, but the monopoly on all the top players, including, and most importantly, the offensive, offensive line and defensive line, will start to get spread out amongst more teams. That's how you bridge this gap. Just look at the games. Where were both the games won? Up front. That's the difference. In the NFL, the games are won up front. So if you're able to get the best players up front and have the most depth, you're going to be able to compete, and it makes the skilled players so much better. So at the end of the day, I think it lends more credence to it.
2: Well, you are starting to win me over on the expanded playoff idea, if it's done for the right reasons and if the bowl games are incorporated in the right way. Um, And I think that you make the the best argument when you say that it would help recruiting and it would help parity down the line throughout the years, because I do agree with that, and that would be good for college football. I don't think it's a good argument for anyone who comes on and says, see Georgia and Alabama in the national title again. This is why we needed an expanded playoff this year, because then we wouldn't have them both in the national title. Are you kidding me? Who was going to beat them no matter if we opened it up to all 145 teams in the in college, you know? I mean, yeah. that, that was going to be the final either way. So, yes, uh, it could open up recruiting down the line so that you do see some more parity. Or maybe, you know, I'm not saying there won't be an upset every now and then. You know, maybe someone like an Ole Miss could have gotten another shot at an Alabama or something and possibly killed an upset. Someone like Texas A&M could have fought their way in and been scrappy, you know, something like that. But certainly you're not going to see upsets in the way that we do with March Madness in college basketball. So as long as it's done in the right way, which, uh, you know, That remains to be seen, but I'm still hopeful that they can do this. And honestly, Jake, another big, big um, thing that I think that, you know, when we talk about expanding the playoffs, is eliminating or at least minimizing these opt-outs. You know, it's the opt-outs here that are crazy. And kudos to Clemson and Dabo Sweeney. You know, I mean, I don't think Dabo had one opt out and he has several first round picks coming out of Clemson that team wanted to play for him I think even one of his guys got injured in the first half of that ball game and so hopefully if we do get an expanded playoff they do it in the right way and we have kids who say you know what I do want to play in the Sugar Bowl and I do want to go play in the Fiesta Bowl and the Rose Bowl
1: yeah well you put a legitimate ring up for grabs that there won't be opt outs for a lot more teams that have an opportunity and you won't get opt outs of teams that are competing in the regular season, either because they're not going to opt out of a game that is the the maybe the deciding game to get them in the playoff. You're not going to see that towards the end of the year. And can you imagine? We already have rivalry week at the end, right? Ohio State, Michigan, Bama, Auburn in the Iron Bowl. I can go down the list. The Civil War. I, I can go down the list. Bedlam, whatever. Imagine if playoff spots were on the line. Just oh, imagine. Yeah. And you have, you have like you talk about you know. <laughs> increasing and already almost non-increasable pressure situation. Imagine if that Iron Bowl you just watched, if Auburn was a projected 14, you know what I'm saying, and they had to fight their way in the 12, and if they beat Pammy, you're in. Can you imagine that. I mean you it would elevate it that's
2: how Florida. Michigans felt for years I mean that's how Michigans had to feel for years because they hadn't been able to get past Ohio and they haven't been able to participate in anything that matters in the postseason which was why you saw so much energy and so much excitement this season to finally get over that hump and to see the rewards that come along with it just so happens that one of those rewards was getting to go play the Georgia Bulldogs and get, 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 getting um, back in you know but you know they, they needed to see it Jim Harbaugh and his staff, they needed to go up and they needed to see it. They need to see what happens when you go play against the best. They need to see what could happen if you if you attain your goals. Hey, this is you know not not all rewards are positive, you know. And so that that they need to use that as a as a as a builder in the offseason to say wow, okay, we've seen it up close and in person. Maybe this version of it is a little better than normal versions because Georgia is just so dominant this season, but still, that was good and I think other, you're going to you know other teams are going to start to enter that same conversation. Teams like a Texas, right? Let's see if Notre Dame who's had problems, you know, not problems in the regular season, but problems in the postseason. Let's see if the Notre Dames and the Texases and the USC's or even some of these, you know, up-and-coming schools, you know. I mean, uh, look what Cincinnati and, and Houston and uh, and Central Florida. See if these teams can keep building good programs and get the Miamis and the Florida States back on track and let's keep college
1: football great. For sure. And, and I, I think, you know, again, a healthy college football is a college football with with strong teams in every region. That's what I want. Obviously, we know the SEC is the best conference in the country, but you want all conferences to be strong for the good of college football, but also for the good of you. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button. Turn those notifications on. Hit that like as well. Appreciate you guys, Cone. uh, Got some more football to watch today. It's definitely not over yet. Got some going on right now. Appreciate you, buddy. Appreciate you guys out there. Shout out to the Booster Club. Uh, Like I said, go ahead and hit that subscribe button. And until next time, we're going, going. Well, like Cincinnati's hopes. Gone.
0: The volume.